enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. That's Tim. That's Andy. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different film from the horror genre, from your well-known classics down to that rare gem, making fun of a kid's glasses at the back (laughs) of your video store shelf. (laughs) This week, Tim and I are going to talk about the 1988 uh creature feet i think i said creature feature already but creature feature pumpkin head tim revenge best surf hot or cold <laughs> fuck the dumbest the worst question this question is well, a precursor of how this movie and episode might go well i uh you know I, it's funny i'm, I'm going to take this in two directions real quick i i like if if we're just going to take a, a slight tangent into food temperature sure. i'm a big lukewarm guy like I, I like a lukewarm pizza. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. it's been sitting out for like 30 minutes. Yeah. But not in the fridge, like the yeah, next the morning fridge. on the counter. Right. Yeah. I'm so with you there. Yeah. You haven't killed the flavors, but yet it's not like overcome by the heat of it. So I think that's the pizza at least is best served lukewarm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know about vengeance. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Luke, yeah, serving vengeance lukewarm is just <laughs> doesn't sound overly effective. No, um, but you know what, though, that it brings up a great question. Here's the second part of that. Isn't everything vengeance? I mean, isn't every I guess I, I, I should say, isn't every form of punishment some form of vengeance? Like oh, everybody, yeah. t- everybody talks about vengeance being bad. But if you like sneak out of the house in the middle of the night when you're a teenager or whatever, and then your parents ground you for two weeks, is that, isn't that vengeance? It's vengeance against what you did by sneaking out, isn't it? I, well, I guess so. But I think vengeance, though, has like a malicious intent behind like a, it. They're like just a life doing death. their job. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm looking to harm you because you harmed me not right. you're being punished for breaking a rule maybe it, but what if a kid just snapped back at their parents like i'm tired of your vengeance like you are just hung up well, yeah, it definitely might shut a parent up they'll just be like oh god i gotta rethink everything right now <laughs> right but yeah so um but uh short answer lukewarm so we'll go with that perfect uh, speaking I'm a of- cold kind of guy. I love a just a with a, you know, don't share if I just know I've somehow gotten revenge on someone. I like for it to be after a very long time. Maybe they don't even know that I've somehow and I just like reveling in that in my own. I don't tell anyone about it. Just kind of like to where, to where chill, the chill back on that bed of revenge. Would you go so far as to say to where the revenge is just something with inside you now and that it's like that the topic has died out, but it's just that it still rages inside? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, you know, it never really involves harm, I'll say. Yeah. You know, it does. Pumpkinhead. Yeah, sure does. (laughs) Just what you'd expect from anything named Pumpkinhead. That's right. So this is a this is a film from 1988. It was written by Mark Patrick Carducci and Gary Gerani. It was directed by Stan Winston, a uh, special effects whiz, and this is his first foray into directing. Slow clap. Uh, it stars Lance uh, Henriksen as Ed Harley, and then the only other two people of note. One, you got Blossom Mayim Bialik as the Wallace kid number two, and then making a repeat performance on the show. Joel Hoffman is scratch who we all know as TJ or JT TJ TJ from uh, uh slumber party massacre two. Yes. He's back what? wearing nearly the identical outfit he had in like he did. He did not change his clothes. No, movie to movie, completely unable to drop his Southern California accent. Yeah, either. same person. Yeah, 
just nicer, like more considerate. Uh, had a budget of three million, box office of four. Not surprised. Hit. I'm actually surprised. <laughs> True. Hit and surprised this had a budget of three million. That seems high. Yeah, it does. It does. I think it was just the Stan Winston quotient. Yes. That, that you know, and I'm sure it all went into the creature stuff. This this movie is like, I think I said to you uh, something about this is like just when the choreographer gets to direct the big musical. Like there's there's going to be two numbers that are out of this world awesome. And then the rest is just kind of kind of be like a second, an afterthought. Yeah, kind of like when you're like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Dave Grohl, could you just go back behind the drum set, please? And now hold on now. And pick up the sticks and just do what you do, because that was a whole lot better. Oh, come on. Yeah. Um, Dave no, Grohl wrote I, that whole first album and played it by himself. <laughs> but no, I. Uh, you're right. Stan Winston, everybody loves Stan Winston. I mean, he's a, he's a great creative force, but that does not directly translate to Everything else that goes into being a director uh, certainly uh, apparently from this movie does not translate to actually eliciting good acting performances uh, of which oh. this movie has some awful ones. So let's get this out of the way quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't picked up on Do it you already. mean the whole episode? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Pumpkin head. Like it's, yeah. You, lukewarm is probably the, the right word for just this entire episode. Yeah. Pumpkinhead. I was, I, I had never seen Pumpkinhead kind of similar to last week's episode with alien, uh, a well-known movie that uh, I'm probably the last person to that hasn't seen it and to, to finally see it. And uh, I was sadly let down. There are a great many things that I think are promising uh, in the in the basic construct of Pumpkinhead. And I think that there are quite a few more things that tear it all down. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're going to dig into all of that stuff. Um, should we start with Nan Summon? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Ed Harley is a simple man. He runs his own grocery, small grocery with the help of his son, Billy, whom he's raising himself. After some city folk come by and fatally wound Billy after accidentally hitting him with their fancy city dirt bikes, Ed <laughs> seeks out the help of the local backwoods witch to summon the help of the demon Pumpkinhead for revenge. What he wasn't counting on was the connection he'd have with the creature and visions it would torment him with. So now Ed must stop the force he is set loose because the creature he sent to murder people is now bothering him. And we can't have that. And it, yeah, it, it is bothersome. It is. <laughs> if there's so one word that annoyed. comes to mind. Yeah. You know, pumpkin head is bothersome to most. <laughs> uh and um, <laughs> including viewers. Uh, so where does it all let's let's start with where it goes right. OK, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll lead this charge. Uh, I think the idea of vengeance in general is always a, a strong motivator. It's something very much based in, in reality and, and the human condition that people feel like they've been wronged and they feel like they deserve some retribution for that, that yeah. that's, that's a very real motivator. Mandy, which is a perfect movie. This is about that very thing. Yeah. Mandy is just trying to live up to everything that Pumpkinhead did so many years before. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, you got vengeance. Great, great basis. You know, it, it works. It's simple, but it works. Um, you have a nondescript setting. Yeah, you felt it was Kentucky-ish, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is fair. Um, there are some rolling hills in Kentucky. Uh, I felt that it was a bit further south uh, in kind of Appalachia, as I'm given to understand that how the, the locals say it there, uh, maybe like North Carolina. But either way, it's uh, south of Highway 30, somewhere <laughs> down there <laughs> where it gets, uh, you know, that rolling hills effect on the on the landscape. And. So what's right about that? Well, there aren't a whole heck of a lot of movies written about Appalachian backwoods folk uh, magic, which I'm going to talk a lot more about later um, if, if we have time for it, if we can fit it in. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a very real entity, and it's, it's not something that's, that's very widely 
uh, discussed or known about by virtue of the fact that the area is pretty well sort of secluded as it is. Yeah. So I like that aspect of it. I like the aspect of of a sort of um, father son connection that that mm-hmm. we don't see in a lot of movies. Um, I love the father son interplay in this movie between uh, Lance Henriksen and and uh, his son. <laughs> In the movie, um, some of that is actually genuinely very tender and sweet. I 100% agree. I thought this movie was off to a great start. Yes, that's a great way to put it. The kid with him and his kid are so sweet. And they have a great rapport. Like, I wonder how much they, like, worked off camera because they work very well together. Well, I'll tell you. Um, Lance Henriksen took the initiative, uh, among several other initiatives that he took in this movie, to uh, buy the child actor a bunny. Um, bought him a bunny, gave it to him as a gift to inspire, you know, trust and and a kind of a connection there. And of course, any little kid likes to have a, a pet. Sure. So, you know, Lance Henriksen was was all in on this. Actually, supplied his own wardrobe for the movie, supplied his own props for the movie. <laughs> including the gun, the hat, the silver coins. He went to a coin shop. He was kind of, if any of you have ever done community theater and you realize that in order to elevate a show that you're in, you kind of have to dig deep and make it happen yourself. It happens. <laughs> yeah. He, he did that with this movie. So a lot of, a lot of passion there. Um, so yeah, there, there are several things on the most basic level that make this movie uh, have a lot of potential for for something really different and something really great. Yeah, I like the idea. I agree with you on a lot of those. I I do like this, like, uh, push for American monsters almost. You know, like because as young a country as we are, we don't get the benefit of old tales like that Dracula is built around or things like that, you know? Um, That's a great point. Yeah. Like we, we are just kind of like, well, we just got to kind of make up our own, I guess, based on, you know, and it's able to let your imagination run a little bit. And I would say a pumpkin head. That sounds pretty American. That makes me think of Thanksgiving, which is a very specific American holiday. Although there's this Thanksgiving is not tied into this at all. But just the icon of a pumpkin feels American to me. Just the image of a pumpkin. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah, not like, oh, pumpkins. Is that a German dish? <laughs> right. No, you're right. Like it's I mean, there should be there, there has to be something else bad that happened in America other than like the Depression. You know, like, <laughs> right. like I mean, there's, there's got to be something <laughs> in our like when Pangea split, right? And all the continents separated, certainly <laughs> some monsters were left on this continent that drifted off and some of them were in Europe, you know? So, of yeah. course, demons yeah. and monsters were well spread out. It's why Australia has all the very weird monsters. Right. They got the leftovers. They got right. like the wild boars that kill people. Um, but I think they're just there in general. So right. yeah, like yeah. It's, they're not really monsters. They're actually wild just, boars that yeah, kill people. Call there. that the zoo. <laughs> right. So My uh, backyard. Right. What was that accent? Walkabout. Thank you. <laughs> when you go on a walkabout, um, but uh, you might get bit by a razorback. <laughs> It happens. It's reality there. They're criminals and they deserve it. So, um, no, but yeah, the America, you're right. America doesn't have a lot of the same sort of ancient lore that uh, that so much of, of the rest of the world has. So that's that's a really interesting concept. And it, it, I, I will go ahead and get in a, into a little bit of this Appalachian folk medicine slash magic that is kind of at the, the cornerstone of this movie. Uh, it is a, it's a very real thing, and it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, these this area is is surrounded by mountains. It's secluded. You've got mostly inhabitants like uh, Scotch Irish inhabitants who already had a taste and a flavor in their DNA of some paganism and some uh, animalistic 
worship or or uh, ties to animalism or uh, naturalism as far as their philosophies or or ancient spiritualities. And you combine that with the native population of the Southeast, which would be the Cherokee or the Choctaw. And you combine that with, like I said, there, there is no Walgreens around the corner. If some woman is having a baby, you've, somebody's got to deliver it. Right. If somebody has a rash, I hope some old lady in a cabin somewhere knows some berries that we can mash up and rub on it. And and that's actually a, a very real entity. I wrote it down here. Uh, it doesn't have an overly clever name. Uh, it's called Granny Woman. Oh. The, the Granny Woman is a title of the women, the elderly women in these areas of, of Appalachia that uh, were the ones to to aid in childbirth. They acted as midwives. They acted as doctors, and um, they were sort of these botanical pharmacists of the area. They were, were familiar with the plants and and kind of combining their knowledge uh, along with the native knowledge. And um, down there, it's it's not even really seen as magic. It's just sort of practical knowledge of the area. So these things still exist to this day, and. The only little caveat with it is that they sprinkle a whole lot of like Protestantism on it. I uh -huh. mean, they're they're very much biblical people, but the Bible is filled with magic. There's nothing like non-biblical or nothing non-magical about the Bible. Right. You know, people being brought back to life and water turned into wine. There's magic all over the place. Yeah. So it makes sense that these people would be would be ex accepting of that and and believing of that. So that whole aspect of the movie, this sort of paganism brought over from Europe mixed with the, the native beliefs of, of that area, makes for a pretty compelling and cool and probably under-recognized uh, uh, ingredient for a film. Yeah, and, seems and like it could be hard to fuck up. Right. <laughs> but yet. However. <laughs> yeah. And yet, here we are. With Pumpkinhead. Let me tell I don't you. I don't want to dump on it too hard. I didn't enjoy the movie, and I know a lot of people do. I don't want to just turn this into like a, I'm going to say something negative about it every time. I'll ease up on that. But it is fun dunking on a movie. It is. This one kind of deserves it, but not, I don't know. I just feel like this was just like, I don't know. I, I don't feel it was, it's bad because, uh, they didn't care. I just don't think they had like Stan Winston didn't have the chops for it. Correct. Because th there are so many, you know what times, I mean, how many times have you and I like really researched movies and found fault in the writing or the pacing or all these sort of other elements that a lot of people don't necessarily take into account, but this movie there's no shame in saying there's nothing pedestrian about saying that the acting in this movie sucks. Oh my God. The, just, just like the scene where they're kind of all in the cabin and they all kind of know pumpkin heads out there and they're saying like, we have to get out of here. Not yet. We have to leave now. Like every line is said like that. It, that scene is so grating. Oh yeah. And let me give you another one. Not to jump ahead, but later on when they're in, you know, trying to run away from Pumpkinhead and Chris, who is sort of the character of quote unquote reason in the movie, you know, is finally got a, a local person to try and, and help them. But he gives like this weird delivery where he's like, do you know Bradley Mountain, <laughs> the place where the people park their cars? Can you take us there? And it's so like, who would ever say that? Like, you're going to go into a grocery store and find a stock boy and be like, you know where the garbage bags are? The ones with the odor shield. Can you take me there? <laughs> like, you're just, you're never going to do that. And, and it's, and he's like one of the best ones in the movie. Um, sadly to say. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to disagree with you, but no, you're probably right. He is. <laughs> Let me let me break your heart for one second about this movie. Um, you know our beloved diner scene in The Mutilator, yeah. aka Spring Break. We're going on a, a ball break. This movie filmed a diner scene with this group of young people and didn't put it in the movie. 
And even though I'm sure it sucked just as bad as the mutilator scene sucked, um, at least we could have had some introduction to these characters because I can't even separate. I, I'll be honest. I can't even remember exactly how many females there are in that group. Yeah. And what are any of their defining characteristics other than one of them is more emotionally unstable than others? Yeah. There's like two others. But what are their defining characteristics? Yeah, they're it's uh, they're not. They're not very fleshed out. I actually could probably because I was really making an effort because I I w- found myself like just everything was just kind of washing itself together, and I was glazing over as this movie was going. <laughs> you tell you were telling me before we started about a bunch of, like just like uh, inconsistencies and like tech shit you could see, and I'm like I there was no way I was paying close enough attention to even see the flubs of the movie, you know, but like, I know the girls that, cause there's the, um, there's the real quiet one. There's a quiet one who's mousy. Yes. Who I thought was a different actress through the whole thing until like today I rewatched some <laughs> of it and I was like, Oh, cause there's an introducing credit. Uh, right. one of the actresses, um, Shit, I had my notes up and I don't have them up now. Uh, but I thought she was the mousy one because she seems like she seemed like a character from like uh, uh, one of the Friday movies. She reminded me of I couldn't place exactly what. And so I was like, oh, this is there just like you're doing that part. Here's introducing. It wasn't. She was the girl who made it to the end. She got the introducing credit who then went did one other movie. And that was it. <laughs> um, there was and then there was the girlfriend of Joel. Like, yeah, I do not remember the girls' names. Maggie, I remember one of them. And only that's because I made a note at one point when Maggie is being dragged away. Everyone's screaming about Maggie and and the the blonde-haired guy. What was his name that you mentioned? Just oh, now? Chris. Chris. He's like, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only reason I know Maggie's name was because I wrote it down because of that part. Um, and then, yeah, so it's Joel's girlfriend. They're all... Uh, they're all couples, but they're just the most boring, ill-defined yeah. couples. And they're only could... couples because they are like together in rooms together, you know? Like, and we it. could have used we could have used that diner scene, even if it would have been crap. This movie is only an hour and 26 minutes long. Yeah. We could have fit in four minute diner scene. By the way, that diner scene is was 55 seconds. And they didn't think that they had to. It's literally Jeez. 55 seconds, but it might have given us some clue as to like who these people are. And and any the only of- character I know is Joel and that he's a huge asshole. Oh, he like, is just nothing likable about Joel ever. When you think that Joel has pissed you off enough. He's got more, way more like push, like assaulting women, you know, killing. First of all, killing kids, (laughs) insulting kids, kids, killing kids, pushing women around and just and apparently it's not kidnapping your friends. Yeah. Locking your friends. (laughs) Right. But, you know, this I'll tell you what's so bad about us not being able to pick like who's who there's. There's literally, I would swear, like three full minutes of this movie when the shit kind of hits the fan. That it is nothing but people just yelling other people's names. Yes. Like, it's it's like Chris, David. Steve is still out there. Maggie, stop it. No, Steve is still out there. Nebuchadnezzar. Like what you know, you know, Ewald, whatever. I mean, they're just like throwing these random names out there, and I don't know who any of them are. And it's yeah. it's really it's almost puzzling how you know that there are certain scenes that happen and there's action that takes place. But even when somebody quote unquote dies, it's never like overly definitive. Like these deaths, like Pumpkinhead drags out somebody's death for like five minutes. Like it's never just like, bam, death, you know, it's and you don't know if they're dead or alive. Yeah. Cause there's a little prologue and it seems like he's just, he, comes at you and kills you. But now cause our, cause Ed Harley, that's the prologue as a small child. He sees Pumpkinhead killing this dude who had is implied had done something to a young girl. I thought this opening scene was great. I thought it said, yeah, I explained everything I needed to know about Pumpkinhead. And it actually gave me a lot of character about Ed, you know? Um, and, and so, but yeah, now when Pumpkinhead is brought back, 
Yeah, he's like fucking around and toying with them, and like I'm he gonna, loves to uh, lift them up. Oh yeah, loves to hide. Yeah, he's Spook always got to lift them. Yeah, the lift. There's so much lifting. Yeah. Um. So just you know, you mentioned uh, he even lifts, bro. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's never a question you have to ask Pumpkinhead because it's he can't stop lifting. Um, Lance Henriksen, uh, we all love that guy. You know, he's, oh yeah, can I say real quick, hot Lance Henriksen? I that, called Nancy and I'm like, dude, this is two years after Aliens because it your first shot of him is spraying down some vegetables or something with no shirt on. It's just like glistening in that early morning Appalachian sun. I was just like, you gotta come look at hot Lance Henriksen. I'm de- there are some people I have some a couple uncles like this, like there are some men who just have this physique where it's like lean muscle, no matter what they do. Like it's just their bodies were built that way. Just yeah. lean worker muscle. And he's got that. And the poor guy. Yeah, had, you buy that guy's a farmer immediately. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Interesting thing, though, interesting life of of Lance Henriksen, born in Manhattan, uh, of all places, his never really saw his dad. His dad was like a merchant marine, which I still really don't even understand what that job is. But that's that's what he was an aggressive seller. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so he's he's off his parents divorce when when uh, Lance is two. He you know, he's having trouble at school. Um. His mom is just kind of taking odd jobs. There's not really much of a parental presence there. And at the age of seven, she hands him his birth certificate and says, hang on to this so you don't forget who you are and go. Oh. And just kicked him out at seven, seven years old, left the house. And he he would he first, of course, went to like some relatives that were nearby and he'd live like with a relative for a while or maybe with a friend and um, joined the Navy when he was 15, lied about his age and was in uh, the Navy for, you know, four years or whatever, just for like a place to live (laughs) when he was 15 years old, like had this. It jumped just basically like hopped freight trains after the military. Um, and then just the only reason he got into acting was because he had a job just like painting sets. And uh, they they needed a body like just to be on stage. Yeah. And that's it took off from there. So like this guy has had this horrible fucking life, which I think is is what makes it really endearing when you see those early scenes with his son. Because I will say those are are extremely heartfelt. And that little kid is just as cute as it gets. And um, there's some some real tender uh, father son stuff there that is is really really heartbreaking when when the son is killed yeah so to switch i, I was kind of left empty emotionally on the kid's death well I mean, and yeah that's, i think that's again on the directing and what because the, the kid does nothing like it's literally he gets hit by that bike you do see him blink but then he never moves there's never a groan he doesn't make a sound or move a muscle until then finally like because Lance Henriksen isn't even around when it happens. So he has to actually come back. Like a lot of time elapses. This kid doesn't move. He finally takes him back to his house. The kid just goes, daddy, and then dies. Yeah. And so, it. Now, it, but Lance Henriksen's response to it, I do like. It's just kind of this silent, like, it's not really a rage yet. It's just kind of this remorse acceptance already. You know, yeah. it's a really cool uh, choice it was not built up well to it. So it didn't, it didn't resonate. It didn't make me cry like that normally would. Right. (laughs) Well, a part of it too, is that, that death itself. Okay. So I get it. Like you got this sweet little kid actor, you've got a movie that you don't want to piss off your audience immediately because you know, you're going to be killing this kid, but like what exactly killed him? You've got these people, you know, on these dirt bikes, you know, taking a break when they stop for gas and running their dirt bikes around and doing jumps and stuff like that. And you see the motor- motorcycle kind of go off this jump and come down and hit the kid. But like what actually killed him there? Because right. it didn't look that gnarly of a death like when it happened. Yeah, he's not bleeding. He's got some scratches on his face. 
And even when his dad picks him up, like after he's been laying there and he's, he's either dead. I I'm assuming that he's supposed to be dead. If he's not dead, he's, he's right there. But then you see that, that sweet little kid actor just pull his arm up and grab around Lance Henriksen. Like, no kid, you're supposed to be dead. Like unconscious. No, he's not but, dead yet because he says daddy later. And that's when he dies. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But either way, like, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's still kicking. And but also yeah. that scene, but cause so yeah, they hit him. Joel is the one who hits him. He's immediately like, I got to get out of here because I've been drinking. I'm going to get in trouble. So he's flee. He, he just hit a kid. Now he's fleeing the scene. Scratch is like, I listen, I'll stay. Someone has to stay with this kid. They try and immediately call for help. There is no fucking phone in the grocery. So they have to now go somewhere else to where there is a phone and try and call for help. And Part of Lance Henriksen's uh, motive is he claims they just left him there. It's like, no, dude. They, like, you got there and there was a dude there. Like, hey, I've been here with your kid. There was an accident. We're trying to get help. Like, they were kind of doing everything they could in their own power. Yes. Were they responsible for the accident? Yes. But besides the actions of one person, everyone else is trying to do the right thing. Who then had to fucking pay the price. Right. Right. And you bring up an excellent point. And I'm I'm not sure if this really bothers me or if it I kind of like it. I can't decide. But you're right. The quote unquote vengeance in this movie. Now, usually vengeance is against somebody that really did something terrible and awful and they did it with malicious intent. But this is purely an accident. Yeah. Like your quote unquote bad guys in this movie are are just a couple of teenage i mean a handful of teenagers one of them is you know a certifiable prick but he's not a murderer right. he's still i don't know if he deserves right you know and and so we're borderline that's how fuck much of a dick joel is yeah. like still borderline so i'm but yeah a, this is like the pumpkin head seems like that's for they kidnapped and like sexually assaulted my child and killed them and dumped them in a river. This yes. seems the pumpkin head revenge. Yes. And Not, that, I accidentally hit your kid and uh, I cannot get a hold of the help I'm trying to get him. And why did you leave a fucking six year old here anyway? By the right. way? I mean, I, I don't want to. <laughs> And, and those kids are already riding the dirt bikes outside the store. No one came out and was like, hey, don't do that here. Yeah. Right. right. Like, don't yeah. give a shit. They were no, they were at no point told what they were doing was wrong. Right. It's on you left a six-year-old to run your store. Right. And you what? knew what was going on outside with strangers out there. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So, and I, I don't know, maybe there's something sort of intentional about that. And I don't know, I'm probably giving him way too much credit, but maybe there's something that says that, that vengeance is irrational, that it, it does, it can't, that when you're feeling that rage of vengeance, that you can't see the, the rationale in a situation as, as sad as it may be, um, that, that undeserving people, or even deserving people get hurt worse than than they deserve because of the blindness of vengeance rage. And that's probably me giving way too much credit. <laughs> but you're right. There's there's blame for everyone in this uh, scenario. Yeah. But where 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 that is all reasonable and and fine. Where I think this movie really really makes, kind of messes up. And it really goes off the 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 normal formula of this type of movie is that we don't even get any time of these teenagers like making it to the cabin and popping a beer and having some fun and, and having a stupid ass scene that we all love with ridiculous dialogue. Right. Like, I think somehow that would have helped, but it's like we're immediately sort of thrust into this and these characters have no real time to develop. It's just go you know like from from right from the beginning yeah and it, it feels a um, great point yeah it feels hurried though the whole movie feels hurried from that point out um so now let me ask you a question this is about something that i think if this is a true oversight th this is about as huge of a fuck up if I, as i've ever seen in a movie okay when they are first at the grocery store and we first hear about the pumpkin head 
story, you know, yeah. where the kids the, are taunting their other younger yeah. brother. The Wallace okay? clan shows up, which is yes. your tropey eight kids in a pickup truck. Yes. Dirt, dirt on their faces, Southern family. So they're they're taunting. Now, the, there's one in particular, kind of the older boy who like one of the the girls of the the visiting teenagers steps in and says like hey like lay off of them or whatever when they're teasing their brother about pumpkin heads going to come and get them yeah. okay so the one kid, talking about bunt right right so he his name is bunt <laughs> bunt so he confronts them and they actually have a little bit of a moment there right where they kind of like he's kind of pissed that they would even like tell him to what to do or whatever these outsiders yeah. these city slickers but later on in the church, Bunt, that is him again, isn't it? Yeah. And he's relating like, I was there at the grocery store this morning and telling these people, which were the ones that he interacted with, oh my God, that I he was there. Even they said like, oh, it must have been that kid. Like what kid? <laughs> maybe, oh, maybe it wasn't Bunt then at the grocery store. No, I just, think it was. Oh I think All right. it was. After we get done, I still have like a few, like an hour's, some hours left on my <laughs> rental. I'm going to have to go watch that. Oh my gosh, I'm watching and I'm like, wait a second, you the three of you were just talking like a few hours ago. So crazy. Again, yeah. See, if that happened toward the end of the movie, I'm like, just plugging along, not listening. Well, here's here's the biggest downfall of what you're where you're just describing there. I love a good kill. I mean, even if a if a movie isn't that great, at least we can get an inventive kill or something. Yeah. By the time the kills were happening fast and furious. I was already tuned out by that point. Weren't you? Oh, I did. I did make a note. It's literally at 45 minutes. The witch goes, now it begins. <laughs> I'm like, it's 45 <laughs> minutes and you're not alien. Like you don't get to go 45 minutes without something happening. No, you don't. <laughs> I will say though, unlike alien, we do get to see quite a bit of pumpkin head. The, the, the character, the creature, who I want because well, I'd already seen Alien, so I've seen plenty right. of the pumpkin head creature. <laughs> right. Yeah, good point. Fair <laughs> point. There's some similarities there, undeniable. Um, interestingly, though, you've got Stan Winston as your director of the film, but he didn't even really have that much to do with the pumpkin head creation. Right. And that, yeah, I was gonna say that earlier when I was like, you know, you've got the creature effects guy, and that's the best part. But yeah, he wasn't even working on it, but I'm sure he was just like giving uh, i forget the guy who did the actual one you know giving him the resources he need to make sure that part was good you know i'm going to ask you a question and uh this is this is kind of interesting um and, and you have traveled more than i have um even in the the united states are there places still this rural when you've got that truckload of kids that look literally look like they just oh. rolled around in dirt. Right. And they, that they've never washed their clothes. Like are like the whole like um, <clears throat> deliverance thing. Are there still places that are in this day and age in 2021? Are there places like that still? I mean, I, I, I would say, yes, there would have to be like, I'm, are there a lot? No. Like, is that your majority of wherever you go? Probably not. But uh, yeah. And even, but that's funny. You do bring that up with how rural this looked because yeah, the prologue is like set in like 1952. Mm -hmm. And after watching it, I'm like, if that truck wasn't in this, I, I would have said 1852. <laughs> right, like right. it's like a single room farmhouse shack or the, you know, the kids sleeping by the fire in the living room, essentially. I'm like, what, what year is this? Originally, it was supposed to be set at that time, actually. That's it's so okay. interesting that you picked up on that because they, maybe they had already put those wheels in motion when they started building the set or whatever. Yeah, because, you uh, know, the gun even, I mean, I don't know, yeah. do you have a shotgun in 1850s? Probably. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, oh, we should. I did. I forgot to mention at the beginning when our guy dies, uh, show favorite Dick Warlock. Yes. Uh, is our first kill. As we say, the hardest working guy in showbiz, Dick Warlock, who yeah. we first heard about on. Oh, where did we first hear about Dick Warlock? Damn, I don't even remember. It was like about halfway through our. What was it? What was it? 
the mutilator was it in that one or was it all the way back to like I, it was more like the garage days the garage studio it no, was like shopping mall or something maybe reanimator but um but yeah that's what but and then then we started seeing dick warlock everywhere like yeah. after we finally found him um speaking of shotguns uh there was one point that i saw where a guy i believe it's chris is carrying a gun and he is simply walking with that gun he is as clear as day walking somewhere with that gun, but you hear the <laughs> like the cocking of it. And it's like, well, okay, who else is there with a gun cocking it? Because it's not Chris. But yeah, that's apparently just one of many flubs. Oh. Um, let, let me ask you this. Um, and I think you've probably already answered it. Were you were you bored by this movie? I mean, yeah, kind of. Just because the the performances are so bad, um, I did like the creature a lot. But yeah, by by the end of this movie, I don't know. Yeah, I was just kind of bored with it. Um, I didn't care about. I was kind of mad that all these people were dying because our the guy who should have gotten the brunt of it, Joel, out of the five friends, he dies like third. So right. it's not even like a he dies first and they have to wrap up loose ends or you have to go through everyone to get to Joel. Cause they also try and force this, the worst like redemption where yeah. he just at one point goes, Hey, you know what? I made some bad choices. No more. Let me tell you something. I, uh, if you know a guy named Joel, not the first time he said that and he will not stick to that. <laughs> like he's i bet those friends could tell us 10 other times where he's been like guys i'm so sorry man i made some bad choices i'm gonna be a better person from this point on so fuck joel i did not buy i did not uh be like oh joel's good now and i'm rooting for him no i was happy he did die in the best way of anyone i've seen in a long time because Pumpkinhead picks up a gun and i'm like what the fuck Pumpkinhead's gonna use a gun and he uses the gun to stab Joel. I was like, okay, stabbing my gun. I'm down with that. I think that's pretty cool. I wanted to take a freeze frame of that exact moment because in the subtitles, it just says squishy sounds. <laughs> like, I can use that. That's got meme written all over it. Um, yeah, no, that was a pretty ballsy move. Like, yeah, so yeah. Could, so once Joel is you. dead and now they're chasing these other two people who were essentially locked in a closet for a third of the movie. I was just like, I guess. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember how the blonde guy dies because the girl gets away. That's that is uh, Tracy. Cynthia Bain was that actress. That was the introducing introducing Cynthia Bain as Tracy. She's our final girl. But even that, like, it wasn't until I rewatched it. I was like, oh, yeah, a girl made it to the end. Right. There was no good. It's a trope. Fine. But, you know, run with it then. And we, yeah, we didn't feel very connected to her. No, there's no, no reason why no she way is. that you would a final yeah. girl. Um, I liked yeah. Joel's girlfriend. Her outfit, the, I do not like style from the 80s, but the the like crop top with suspenders, that's my jam. Love yeah. it. Love it. High-waisted pants, suspenders, crop top. Bring it back. You get to see that a little bit in, um, I think, Friday 6th. I think one of the girls has that outfit. Uh, and yeah, yes, possibly. And it's, yeah. And it's, you're right. That got somehow left in the eighties and we should bring that right back. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I apologize, but that is the defining feature of that character <laughs> is that outfit. And right. she's Joel's girlfriend. Yeah. We don't even know about uh, Bechdel Wallace test here because I can't even remember any of the exchanges between the women. Right. To even know if they actually took place. Yeah. Um, one thing that they they really boy they they don't try to veil this metaphor at all, but they really make a, a concentrated effort at the end to show that to tell you that the the moral tale that if you live your life for vengeance, you eventually become the very thing that you are trying to get vengeance against. Mm-hmm. So that becomes really obvious when uh, Lance Henriksen's character in a un, you know, undisclosed side effect feels the pain of when his victims are um, killed. 
uh, or he's feeling well, something. Yeah, I think he's just seeing it through the pumpkin head's eyes and he's just kind of revolted by it. I don't even think okay. he's feeling anything. He's just like, dude, I didn't know I'd have to. I knew these people would die, but I didn't know you'd make me watch it. So or I'm feel out. bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just give me a call. Like, like, you know, mobster style. Tell me it's done, you know, right. and then I'll say thank you and hang up the phone and finish yeah. my cannoli. Right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, something is happening there. And were they trying, maybe it was just me. Were they trying to like even morph Pumpkinhead's face to like Lance Henriksen? Yes, face at the at end, that? that's it. Because yeah, we're starting to get good close-ups of them, and yeah, Lance Hendrickson's eyes have become this reddish yellow, okay, kind of thriller look. And yeah, there's a definite change in the face of Pumpkinhead, so yeah, that he's be- they're becoming more like each other, right? Which means, yeah. And they exactly. have this shared pain experience because he accidentally stabs himself and Pumpkinhead feels it. Not to jump to them, jump into the end. I don't care. But no, that's fine. <laughs> but no, that, I mean, it's basically. And we sad. say Lance Henriksen shoots himself in the head and then gets up and walks around more. Like yeah. hey, there's a bullet hole in his temple and he gets up and walks around more. And I've then ask someone else like, I am terrible at killing myself. Will you please do it? I've only heard of that happening in real life once. And it was somebody that we went to high school with. Yes. Um, shot themselves and was still able to like call for help afterwards. Like, whew, yeah, that's, that's a one in a million. So yeah, I can't say it doesn't happen. Yeah. But it's not plausible. It's not, you know, it doesn't probable. it's often. not probable. Possible, yeah, not probable. Not probable. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so we've got this whole idea that like, if somebody wrongs you, the real healing comes from how you process that within yourself. You might never change them. It's up to you to process that within yourself and to keep yourself from still feeling that pain as opposed to going after that other person. Yeah. Now, which I don't mind. I kind of like that. That's fine. That's, that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm also all for, you know, tracking somebody down and pounding them in the face. If they were a real asshole <laughs> to somebody that you care about, or you do like a little bit, of, a little bit of vengeance is fine. Um, but don't, yeah, don't carry it around forever and go to witches and all that good stuff. Um, but yes, that overall concept is, um, I, I, you know, me and the preachy stuff, but I didn't find that overly preachy. I think it was more cautionary. Yeah. What'd you think about the, there's a lot of weird Christian iconography, which mm-hmm. I couldn't tell. Well, I mean, there's, there's one scene where I'm like, okay, maybe this is what they're going for, but I didn't know why they're going for it. Uh, where Pumpkinhead just kind of like pulls down a cross and breaks it. Yeah. I thought it was after he was, which, yeah, I was like, okay, fine. But that's immediately following where he is chasing down these people and finds them. But is he like such a statement maker where he's like, you know what? Before I kill you, I just got to let you know, not down with the iconography. Get it out. Get it out of here. I don't need crosses. Don't care about them. (laughs) Now I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And he like draws a cross in the, in one of the girls' face. Right, right, right. Yeah. But Um, except for that one girl, no one is really religious. There's kind of the the mention at the beginning where they're like, where Dick Warlock's trying to get in Ed Harley's house. And, you know, he's like, you, you can't be a true Christian if you don't let me in. Um, Which is the last time that argument's ever made. Um, And so, you know, but, but besides that, there's not a lot of uh, faith behind our protagonists, you know, or whatever. So I don't know. It just seems like this weird shoehorned yeah. semi-statement. But what is even the statement? He's a demon. Sure. Of course, you'd be like, yeah, fuck this stuff. Right. Yeah. I the When I was researching that Appalachian folk uh, magic and, and witchcraft or however you want to call it, um, that was a a big part of what I was reading was that it was this unexpected combination of these sort of pagan beliefs, very much woven with um, Christian beliefs to the point where even though these people are doing things and um, carrying out practices or, you know, quote, let's just for the sake of argument, call it magic practices that are sort of in defiance of the Bible in their minds, it's all a power that comes from Jesus. 
that that even though it's it's not really mentioned <laughs> like usually witchcraft is condemned in by by Christians but yeah. they see it they see it as all kind of wrapped up into one it's so it's apparently a whole different I, I really gained a pretty cool understanding about just how isolated that area is down there and how even the beliefs that they carry that are are ancient or well-established beliefs, everything kind of becomes its own Appalachian flavor there because it is so isolated. So they have their own little personal mixture of Christian beliefs with pagan beliefs. And so maybe they were trying to explore some of that, you know, that, 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 that's a big part of it down there. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. It was a little weird that he would stop to do that. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, he's, he's buried in a, in a cemetery. I mean, he's, I'm sorry, Tim, not a cemetery Yeah, in the pumpkin patch graveyard. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the one thing that makes him pumpkin head. Right. (laughs) Nothing else about him. I will say like, and it's even like the pumpkin head grave looks cool, but the functionality of it, of no. how they want it to work, does not work. Yeah. It looks stupid. Like it, it's okay when he's because the witch sends him to the grave to dig this up, and then she performs a ritual, and that, and now this little creature kind of grows into pumpkin head, right? Um, so he digs up this body. Fast forward to the end of the movie, what we find out is it's a cyclical thing because so Lance Henriksen has killed himself, and so the witch takes his body and buries it in the Pumpkinhead grave. So the next time Pumpkinhead is called upon, so Pumpkinhead's more of an idea instead of a man, right? He's like Batman. Yeah. More of an idea. (laughs) But he's always always a new Pumpkinhead. But so she takes him up to this grave, right? And like puts him in and shovels, like is shoveling dirt on top and she gets two shovels in. And I'm like, well, that's it. Like there's no more dirt to get because you're literally elevated like eight feet off of the ground. (laughs) Like, how do you rebury this guy? It's like, how hard can you make burying someone for yourself? (laughs) Like if you want to put somebody in the ground, my first thought would be to dig out ground and put them in it. I wouldn't start stacking ground for then to put them inside that. You know, that that doesn't make a lot of sense. No. But it looks uh, cool. But it does look cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There, there's obviously the eye of someone, you know, someone who is keen to aesthetics and things like this, like, you know, uh, like Stan Winston would be. Um, but then it ends there. You can do. Yeah. You could do one or two things with this movie. You can either keep it feature length and make it a lot more better. I mean, you got to, you got to have some better writing. You've got to have some better actors. You've got to piece it together better and, and more coherently, or, or you could keep things kind of lean with the budget and do a real nice, like tales from the crypt episode or something like that. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a little, like a TV horror you know, just a half hour, 45 minute episode. That would be really creepy and cool. I, I like the idea of that as a full length feature. You got to put a lot more work into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier about the kills there. The kills are so weird because they borderline on like horrific and kind of funny. Cause like when Steve dies, he's like ripped away and then he's just like his bloody body is dropped. Right. Yeah. But then the next girl who dies, the Christian one, she yes she's like lifted up again we love to lift up and then he's kind of like smushing her face up against the window so it's like making jellyfish squishes like on her face before he then shoves it through the window and she's bleeding all over the place um then you have stabbing with a gun which is like like i was just like i've never seen that before and that's kind of entertaining to look at but it's awesome yeah um and a lot and of however the blind guy dies sword but yeah oh the one girl is just he literally climbs to the top of a tree and drops her yeah what right and it you're right it does look a little goofy when you get that that far away shot and they're just like hanging out up in the tree like it almost looks <laughs> right. kind of fun you like know? he's waiting for them to come out to be like watch this guys yeah yeah i do and they always had this noise when he was around, like the cicada noise, which I like the sound of cicadas. So I didn't find it menacing at all. Like 
I that just reminds me of being outside on a warm day. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, we didn't talk much about the score in this movie, only because I, I don't really think of it that much. It doesn't right. have much of a presence. But the one thing that it does have, and I love this this sound. And you play harmonica, so you would you would know this. They do this sort of like that. I don't even know what to call it. It's almost like a dipping note, like that. Like harmonica thing where it's got like the sort of like yeah, we it almost it. it almost doesn't even sound like a harmonica anymore. Yeah. And they use that sound actually. You just blew out your mic or something. It sounds oh, real weird now. <laughs> oh, am I it am sounds I better now? I think okay. it just had to recalibrate or something. That was funny. <laughs> but uh that note was so metal. <laughs> yes. You know how metal uh harmonica. Well, I guess I guess harmonicas are literally metal. So that's true. Yeah. But yeah, but, when you um, bend a note, yeah, and you can Yeah, like, when you bend an and that that is actually used one of the ironically, one of the um it's not horror, but the movie Heathers uses that. And uh when you when you bend that note like that, it almost has the feeling of like Ooh, things are getting a little topsy turvy. Like mm-hmm. it, just the sound itself makes things sound like uh oh. It's kind of like a musical uh oh. That so I um I don't know. I thought that was cool. I mean I I I mean a harmonica seems like the instrument that you would have for <laughs> Appalachia country. So um yeah. Well, how about uh, this movie has the worst jump scare I've ever seen in my life. Which one was that? Uh, it's when I think it's, um, uh, bunt is sitting on the bed and the dog jumps up on him. Uh, but not even, it's kind of a wider shot. So it's not even like a good, like quick edit or anything. Yeah. The dog just like jumps on his lap, but then they like hit you with that, (laughs) with the, the, uh, cicada noise and the music. And I'm just like, come on. And the kid doesn't even jump. He's just like, Oh, Hey, gypsy. Well, we don't we don't want to make too much fun of that dog go who uh, goes by the real name Mushroom. Mushroom, and you know Mushroom from uh, oh, what's the dog's name in um, oh, Old Yeller? Uh, no, uh, Gremlins. Oh, Barney. Yeah, that's Barney. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Is that the dog's name? Maybe it is Barney. It okay. is Barney. Yeah, that is Barney from Gremlins. So you know, mm, I mean, Gremlins. I guess. I wish we watched Gremlins <laughs> instead of this. This, this. The creature face reminded me of a gremlin. Like when it would do the close up, I was just getting like a gizmo caca spike feel to it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like a so huge... alien body gremlin face. I mean, it yeah. still kind of look cool, but I like the like pointy shoulders thing. Like I thought, I thought Pumpkinhead was cool as uh, a creature himself. I yeah. like the fact that it kind of grows from like you were describing, like from this sort of mangled, curled up, uh, you know, just kind of dust of a of a yeah. corpse and grows. It's like a little Voldemort when Voldemort's that little. Yeah, you know, I know you watch the Harry Potters all the time. <laughs> from what I've heard, yeah, that's that's <laughs> very similar. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, so yeah, that I think the, you know, we've, we've probably driven this point home, uh, clearly enough now to where, yeah, there are some cool things. I mean, this isn't, this isn't the worst movie that we've ever covered and it's not even a horrible movie. It's no. just something that could have been quite a bit better. There is one cool shot and it's only a shot that could have been achieved by a, monster makeup guy and who understands this but it's just it's one shot where they're just in the kitchen it, it kind of like pans as it follows a person into the kitchen and then outside in the window you see this big gangly thing walk by but it's the shapes real nondescript it looks so cool and fluid and creepy like you know that's yeah. a physical thing that looked awesome i'm like that was oh, cool bright light okay that's always, you know what I, I'm, I, I, we should think of a name for this, uh, happening in horror movies because you're right. That is one of my favorite and also most creeped out things in a horror movie when someone is running away from the bad guy. Now this isn't quite exactly what you described, but it's, it's relative to it. When someone is running away, usually in most movies, the person, you know, runs away from the bad guy and you'll see them run away and then they'll cut to where the bad guy is getting closer to him. But it's always extra creepy when the person is running away and then you still see the bad guy just come around the corner mm-hmm. like, like, like you, they are in the frame. 
So that's always creepy. Um, so I liked the fact that, yeah, like there's these people inside the house, but there he is out there just kind of walking around. Like yeah. he's that shot was probably hard to get and probably took longer than it should have. But Stan Winston was probably like, no, no, I have to get this shot. Yeah. You know, it, this is the cornerstone of my film. One of the, the most coolest versions of that shot is, have you seen the movie? It follows. Yes. It's when there's that scene where they're inside, I believe it's a school and it's the girl way, way outside through the window, way on the other side of like the quad oh, courtyard. Yeah, yeah. 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 And she's starting to walk. And when you, when you realize like, Oh God, it's that like it, 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 when the, when the scene starts, she's just somebody way, way, way far away. Right. Don't think about, you realize, no, it's that fucking girl that's been walking <laughs> here the whole time. That's the bad guy. Yeah. Um. Very, very cool. I love that when, yeah, sometimes it's, it's the subtlety that's just as good as the scare. So that's a good movie. I got my yeah. issues with that one, but that one's pretty good. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, before we wrap up, here's something I kind of noticed. Cause this seems, you know, as you were saying, like, when is the set? Are there places like this still? Cause everything seems very loose. Uh, you know, not a lot of like a uh, rush to do things or uh, people don't really seem hung up on stuff. So they tell um, Ed Harley to go, bury his son right so there's a scene where he is burying his son but it just it seems to be in a graveyard somewhere so because there are already headstones there so it's either a like some family plot we don't know about on his property or you're allowed to just go to the graveyard in the middle of the night and bury a human that you've only told the rural baby maker about like he's the only guy who knows your son is dead and the witch. Yeah. Like you're just allowed to do that. Yeah. I, I, if it's that isolated, it's like, yeah. well, <laughs> what am I going to drive? Like trek over the mountains, 15 miles to right. tell somebody like, that. It, it, dude, get the police involved for a second. For just yeah. for a second. That's, that's what's funny. Is there, well, maybe there because he no police presence head. in this. No, none at all. Yeah, that's kind of interesting for a horror movie like this. That's that's interesting. One other interesting thing that you don't see a whole lot is somebody attack somebody with a machete like they're throwing a javelin. Like, what kind of <laughs> yes. fucking idiot are you? Like, why aren't you just grabbing that thing? This I'm talking about Joel. Joel. <laughs> everybody's favorite asshole. And uh, he, you, you, what would normal people do? We've all seen enough Friday the 13th. So you grab the thing and you swing down with it. But he like stabs them with it. Like it's like he's holding it over, like over. Overhand, right? And like, like it's a kitchen knife, right? Like Michael mean? Myers would use a kitchen knife. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, Joel. Just in the first, like his first three lines, you're just yes. like, "Fuck this guy," because he <laughs> he insists on his girlfriend to get him a beer while he's driving. Then does some awful uh, Schwarzenegger or uh, Stallone, Stallone impression, yeah. and then she opens the beer for him, and because it's a carbonated beverage in a car kind of sprays a little bit and he's like oh thanks klutz like fucking insults yeah. her right away this girl needs to reprioritize who like what she seeks in a relationship <laughs> yeah yeah she has not figured that out yet she's she's in her bad boy phase you I know yes but uh but yeah we had enough of them early on and had enough of this movie yeah early we made on it hour, Tim. we did it yeah we made it we made it and um I don't know. Uh, so here's the ultimate question. Do you recommend this movie? No, no. <laughs> you know, if you're. And it's one late- of those weird ones where I, I was really looking forward to it. And it's one. And I think you, I don't know if you said this on the show or not, but you were like, this is only talked about because it's called Pumpkinhead. Yeah. That we were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Which, it, uh, yeah. Like that was when I, I don't remember trailers for it. I just remember seeing it in the video store and just being like, Ooh, man, like, Ooh, new. As like I said during child's play, love, love new entries in the Pantheon. So it's like, Oh, will this become the next big thing? So I was intrigued that way. Um, but man, now having watched it, I'm glad I waited 30 years. right yeah because it's it's you're right it's ominous it's like the way that candy man sounds cool like ooh, candy man or you know pumpkin head like it sounds like something that 
it's like when you get a new pair of pants and they're like instantly like your favorite pair of pants and like you've had them for years. <laughs> right. Pumpkinhead just sounds like, yeah, I know I'm going to love that. And that's how we all felt. That's how both you and I felt. But sadly, and elements. Did. Yeah. If yeah. you change, if you change, it's really, you really just have to change up the stuff with the kids, introduce them better, make them better yeah. characters. All the rural stuff I have no issue with. Yes. It, the mythology away. of it's fine. I actually kind of enjoy it, you know, and make You're your monster a, a little more consistent because he just seems like a guy goofing around. Right. Yeah, no, you're you're a thousand percent right. It, it would it have been a perfect movie just by fixing the kids. Probably not, but it would have been infinitely better. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been the quickest first fix. But um, but my, my recommend is probably not um, knowing that there's so many other movies that you could watch instead. But if it's on late at night and you're laying around and there's nothing else to do, you're not going to get hurt by watching it. But no. I wouldn't tell you to go out and watch Pumpkinhead. It's you don't have to do that. No. But yeah, if you have no other options, you could do worse. Yes, that's true. It's <laughs> a good way to put no it. other options. Lukewarm. Lukewarm. All right. <laughs> well, join us next week. Uh, it's going to be St. Patrick's Day. I think it Woo-hoo! comes out the day before. So, so of course... We're doing Leprechaun from 1993. The Jennifer Aniston vehicle. Another one that I've never seen. Oh, this one I've seen. I mean, I've seen a handful of times and I've seen at least three of the sequels. I saw two and three. Wow. I saw space and I want to say I saw Leprechaun in the hood, but I might not have. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I might have been holding that one. Like, should I? <laughs> yeah but you know once they do space it usually ruins it so <clears throat> all right so that's next week so um instagram slumber podcast massacre email slumber podcast at gmail.com patreon.com slash slumber podcast massacre huge thanks to our patrons you help make this show possible uh tim do you got anything else to say about pumpkin head not about pumpkin head but i just i just want to say real quick like i mean I I don't know if the audience has sensed it, but just to show you how committed we are to this program, I have absolutely had to go to the bathroom for the last 20 minutes and I have just maintained. Oh, you can set time out, man. (laughs) But no, that's how committed we are. God damn it. I'm in pain. I'm right. If you hear sounds in this episode of my chair creaking, it's only because I'm like wiggling around, but that's how much we love. Well, before we go, I did want to talk about the XTC song, Peter Pumpkinhead, because I think this really, no, I'm kidding. I'll see you next week, Tim. Later. (laughs) Goodbye.